today on ComTalk, we are answering the ultimate question. Which Godzilla movie should you start with? Stick around. Captain, we have a proximity alert with the planet Geekery. We are approaching collision. Quix, get somebody on the comms. Enter in the security code. Security code accepted. Hello, devoted geeks, and welcome to episode 22 of ComTalk, the podcast extension of Geek Devotions, the YouTube show from a couple of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. I am Celeste, and with me is... Dallas, and this is King of the Monsters Month Extended Edition. Extended Edition. We had so much content, we just had to stretch it out, and today's episode is going to be really special. As you listen to this podcast, please interact with us. Send us your thoughts on what we're saying via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us very simply by looking for Geek Devotions on all three of those platforms. Also, do us a favor and leave a review on iTunes. And also, leave some comments and interact with us on our social media, letting us know your thoughts on what's happening in this episode today. Perhaps you may become the Devoted Geek of the Month if you do. That being said... I want to let you guys know it is not too late for you to get in on the fun of King of the Monsters Month. Celeste, why is that? That is because, A, we are doing an extended edition of King of the Monsters Month, and B, you can still get your Kaiju Wants a Taco shirt. Yes, you just go to redbubble.com and search for what, dear? Geek Devotions. And it pops up right there. So that being said... What are we doing today, Celeste? Today we are comparing the kaiju. We are. We actually did this for an article for our friends over at Geeks Under Grace. And uh, so we're going to do something kind of different. We're going actually going to read the article. And then we're going to expound on the discussion that was in each section. So this is actually in four sections. And um, at the end of the uh, episode today, uh, we're going to reveal the results from our Devoted Geek Life poll. If you're unfamiliar with Devoted Geek Life, go to Facebook.com and uh, search for Devoted Geek Life. It's a group that is connected to us, Geek Devotions. Uh, We tend to kind of poll the people in the group and get their thoughts on what's happening with the show. Power to the people! And we asked them a very simple question. Which of the four Godzilla movies that we're reviewing today, Godzilla from 1954, Godzilla from 1998, Godzilla from 2014, and then of course, Shin Godzilla from 2016. We asked which one of them is the best one. You will find out our Devoted Geek Life poll results at the end of this episode. And uh, yeah, that's going to be pretty awesome. So that being said, Celeste, let's get into the discussion of Godzilla, the original Movie, Gojira, 1954. Name, Gojira, a.k.a. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. His height, 164 feet. Weight, 20,000 tons. Abilities, atomic breath, which looks like hot vapor smoke. Extremely durable and amphibious. For the purposes of this article, we'll be speaking specifically about Gojira, and not the American dubbed version, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. We'll get into some of the reasoning soon. That said, this 1954 classic was a groundbreaking film that incorporated what was then state-of-the-art technology and film technique to create this shockingly terrifying political metaphor. On the surface, we have a story of a mythological creature that became the nightmare of Japan. However, 
Godzilla wasn't just an animal, but the walking personification of the atomic bomb and its effect on the people of Japan. This film was rich with political discourse thinly strouded by the story of Gojira. When watching the film, you have to remember that it was released not terribly long after the American occupation of Japan. Many of its original viewers still remember the tragedies of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The idea of a giant nuclear beast destroying cities and lives was all too real for them. But the metaphors go deeper. Godzilla wasn't just a bomb, but he was also a representation of the people. Godzilla was a prehistoric reptile that slept for millions of years until the H-bomb test not only disturbed him, but changed him. What many took to be scales were actually precisely placed costuming to show that Godzilla had the exact same kind of radiation scarring that many in Japan had at that time. When they saw him on screen, they not only feared him, but empathized with him. He was their greatest enemy and their closest friend. Sadly, much of the gravity of this film was lost in the American dubbed version. American filmmakers did not believe the audiences would appreciate the intricacies of the film and feared offending people here in the States. Alright Celeste, so that is our, our summation of Gojira from 1954. Um, coming out of that, what are some of your thoughts about the film itself? I know um, you you heard the podcast with me and Mike and he and I talked about it in some degree, but what were your feelings about that movie? Well, I really, I enjoyed the... I like old movies, and mm-hmm. so it, for me, it was like, oh, it's another old movie. Um, it just doesn't have any of the normal people in it that I watch in old movies. Um, but it was interesting to me because keeping in mind that this was state-of-the-art, it was almost laughable. Although I did find it interesting that they made something that took the oxygen out of the water and basically blew Godzilla up with water. Mm. Like, that was pretty cool. Yeah, the, the Oxygen Destroyer was an interesting aspect, and that whole thing with the Oxygen Destroyer and the creator of it was actually another subplot that added to the conversation of um, what is the responsibility of those who create. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just another metaphor for what the people at the time really felt should have happened with the nuclear bomb testings. Just because we create something... Does that really mean that we should put it out there for us? And the yeah. guy who created the auction destroyer, he legitimately feared what could happen if what he created went into the wrong hands. And and if you remember in the movie, he actually hid it for a long time until it was needed. And then even then, he sacrificed himself so that nobody could use such a destructive tool again. Which is interesting. And I appreciated his dedication to that. And I appreciated the the that viewpoint the i really don't want to share this but it's for the greater good Mm -hmm. and then the okay so while this is for the greater good i don't want to have be responsible for the repercussions Mm -hmm. that are coming Mm -hmm. so because you know like it made perfect sense that there would be people who'd be like oh we can weaponize this Mm -hmm. and i mean it made sense what he was saying and you're going oh my god this is almost as scary as godzilla absolutely absolutely so at the same time, though, I appreciate the conversation of what is the responsibility of a creator to his creation? You know, we could take that ourselves and look at, at God as a creator. 
Um, you know, there's there's thought processes and theology out there that says that God created the earth, set uh, like a time clock, put it on the edge of a space and said, all right, come back when you're done. And that he has no interaction. He has no responsibility to what happens there afterwards. But you and I know that that's just not the case, that God is very active in our lives and he is very active in this world. And uh, he takes and what he does takes place on a regular basis. I mean, if he was not active in the world, if he didn't take responsibility for what he created, um, I don't think we would have salvation then. I agree. So because in doing so, even though God was not who caused us to sin, mm-hmm. he did what parents do and took responsibility for something that he hadn't done. Right. It's true. And, and that's what we call grace, obviously. You know, it was that, that overwhelming grace of he's like, all right, well, let me fix what you've caused to happen. Let me uh, hold back the wrath that's due you and create a way for you to have hope again. And of course, we know that it's Jesus Christ and his, his uh, sacrifice for our salvation. Well, and even before that, there was a way. It just was an imperfect way. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the sacrifices at the temple. Mm-hmm. It, it, he was very much showing his grace by giving us Jesus so that we don't have to do that anymore. We have freedom from that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But even the sacrifices, all that were just foreshadowings of what he knew needed to happen for yeah. true salvation. I mean, that's the it was the mirror. It was the, the law was a mirror to show us how, how sinful we are. And the necessity, the necessity for salvation, necessity right. for Jesus to take place. So, all right. Well, let us continue our conversation. Ferris Bueller meets Godzilla. Movie Godzilla, nineteen ninety-eight. Name Godzilla, aka Zilla. Height two hundred and seventy-eight feet. Weight. 500 tons. Ability, speed, power blast, and amphibious. This reboot, while failing epically at the box office, may hold the most nostalgia for the millennial generation. It has many things about it that people did not like, but it is a legitimately entertaining comedic movie. When they went to do this particular film, the company got permission from Toho to do a Godzilla film, there, and there were certain rules that they had to adhere to. Now, we are not certain about all of these rules, but we do know that Godzilla was not supposed to die. Spoiler warning, but that was the one that got broken. Fans were not terribly happy with this film for a variety of reasons. One of those reasons was the disappointment in Godzilla's origin story. In this film, following military nuclear tests in French Polynesia, a marine iguana nest is exposed to the fallout of radiation. As a result, this version of Godzilla looks sleeker and fit, but he seems to lack the presence that previous incarnations held. The disappointment level was so high that Toho executives decided that this version would forever be known as Zilla. They've taken the god out of Godzilla. Apparently, though, Toho had no problems with a chihuahua promoting their films. Other interesting tidbit about this particular film is that the original screenplay, Godzilla, was not supposed to have any breath powers. A fan found this out and protested, so the power blast was inserted into the movie. Fandom wins again. 
Okay, Dallas. Now, I know that this is not your favorite. No. No. (laughs) No. In fact, he made me write that part of the article (laughs) because he couldn't figure out a way to to talk nicely about the movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't a very well-produced movie. I mean... Graphically, it was gorgeous at times. It loses its its appeal towards the end of the movie, um, with your favorite part, the babies. The babies. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, this was around the same time period as God. I'm not Godzilla, but as Jurassic Park. And at that point, we saw small dinosaur puppetry and things that looked so much better than what we got in Godzilla 1998. And I will give you that. I did not realize when I when we first watched this that it was the same time frame. Mm-hmm. It almost came across as it was supposed to be a kids movie. Mm-hmm. Like Inspector Gadget kids movie. Yeah. I which is that. ironic. It is ironic since Ferris Bueller did it. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean... If you look at it as not a Godzilla movie, as it's a it's a movie about a giant monster that has invaded New York City and, and laid eggs and laid eggs. <laughs> um, it's not a bad movie. I mean, it's something to play in the background, enjoy. There's a couple of bits that are funny. Um, uh, Jean uh, Leon, I think is his name, the the professional. Uh, <laughs> he was the the best part of the movie for me because he was just, <laughs> it was funny to see him because I don't always see him do a lot of comedy. He does some comedy. But he's just, he's so stoic and straight-faced to see him make jokes is so funny to me. It's kind of like watching Stallone do a comedy. He's, he doesn't do comedies? <laughs> Too bad they can't see the face I just gave you. <laughs> I like Stallone. I like his movies. I do too. That one movie we watched was really intense. That was descriptive. The, what movie? The one where the prison's a a Rubik's Cube. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a Rubik's Cube, but I it's understand. like... They're, it's on a boat. It, they're trapped. Yeah, yeah, that movie was intense. There's like no way to escape. Yep. So, but as far as Guys of 1998, I mean, it's it's an all right movie. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed I enjoyed watching it. It's long. I it is long. It, I think it's too long uh, for the pacing of the movie. But it was a good movie, either way. If you're, if, as long as you don't think of it as a Godzilla movie, and as long as you got two hours to kill... The best part of it, though, really was the sequel cartoon series. Which I haven't seen! You need to watch it. It was really pretty good. It had a lot of elements from the old Hanna-Barbera stuff. Yes. Um, And, you know, we were talking with our friends from uh, Kaiju Vision Radio, who, by the way, will be on with us on Tuesday for Extra Tuesday. Yay! Uh, Should be going live, hopefully, about 8 o'clock, 8.30 in the morning on Tuesday morning. But um, they, uh, they were telling me about it, and they... That particular cartoon series really worked hard to put some nods to the original Godzilla franchise, yeah. which I appreciate. But this movie, eh, it just it didn't really do it for me all that much. I had fun with it though. Mm-hmm. What? Why? Why did you have fun with it? What was the best part of it besides the babies? Why <laughs> did you enjoy it? Um, it reminded me of movies that I'd watch as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, it reminded me of, and, I, and it took me a while to figure all this out, but it reminded me of, like, Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. Not Ferris Bueller. Inspector Gadget okay. with Ferris Bueller. <laughs> it reminded me of the movie that it's intense, 
when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. But it has the comedy. It has the bits of humor. It has mm-hmm. a few nods to things that make it a little bit more funny for adults that mm-hmm. you don't catch until you're older. Mm-hmm. It it's it was that type of a movie. And I enjoyed watching that type of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just because sometimes it's nice to just simply laugh. Yeah, and I can see that. And I did appreciate some of the comedy bits in it. Um, although the funniest thing for this particular Godzilla for me was um, at the time of this recording, I just watched a few hours ago. I'm not oh, quite Lord. done with it. Final Wars. <laughs> at, by recommendation of our friends at Kaiju Vision Radio. And it is, it's an awesome movie, guys. You need to see Godzilla Final Wars. So I walk in to the house from my lunch break. <laughs> And I'm sitting down. I'm like, okay, this is an interesting looking film. What's going on here? And all of a sudden, it looks like a uh, one of the things from where the wild things are on a growth hormone is <laughs> <laughs> popping out of the ground. I'm like, what is going on? Right. But that wasn't even the first thing. The first thing was the little one. Yeah, the the baby Godzilla. That looked. It looked like. Barney, but smoother. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. But honestly, the um, the best part of that movie was when Zilla, which is what they call him, um, attacks Godzilla, the original Godzilla from 1954. And, um, I mean, he just tail whips them and then blows them up. <laughs> so, it was funny to me. And honestly, um, it, the fact that he stands out so singular... This particular Godzilla, I mean, like it or not, people remember this one, um, whether because of nostalgic reasons like what you have, and, and I do to a degree, or because it is so bad. It does stand out, and um, I can appreciate things that stand out like that. Yeah. It, it is one of those things where you, you kind of have to watch it just to know what's going just so you can see. Uh, what happened? <laughs> Why people dislike it so much? You know, um, if if in twenty years from now um, there's another reboot of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, yes. I want them to do this movie. I think yes. it'd be great. Um, and and that is legitimate. One of those things I, I like about it is when you and I watched it. Um, we originally watched it for Retro Rewind podcast. Yes. Uh, for Wasn't the summer the free. Summer free? Yeah. yeah, but we could laugh during it. We 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 went in, We knew it was going to be very good. We took it easy. We made jokes all the way through. Um, this is a good community film because it is so bad. We can have fun and people talk about it and joke about it at the same time. Because watching movies like with us is like watching Mystery Science Three Three. three I can't even <laughs> say it. It's true. So, but that's important, though. I think is that community having things that you can do together with people as a community aspect i think that's something that um i don't think we put it into the article but um we should have is that this is a good film for a community to watch and have fun that that is a the community coming together people hanging out laughing together that is a biblical principle that people miss a lot of times Mm -hmm. and so i think this is a great tool for you uh, there's better things for you to watch, but if you want a good laugh at a at a kaiju movie, this is it. There you go. All right, so we're gonna go. We're gonna continue on with part three of this series of this uh, discussion after this brief commercial. Are you a new business or ministry and need help getting your message out? Are you a budding artist who needs help sharing your passion with the world? 
Need help creating a social media presence that's impactful and represents who you are, but can't afford to have someone else run it for you all the time? One of my passions is to help people establish a social media presence so they can reach others with a message that encourages and changes lives. Not only do I want to help you create it, but I want to give you the skills so that you can maintain and grow your online presence. I offer a variety of services from graphic design to creating a social media campaign to consultation. If you're interested in my help, email me at geekdevotions at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. A second chance. Movie Godzilla 2014. Name Godzilla, also known as Legendary Goji. His height, 355 feet. His weight, 164,000 tons. His abilities, atomic breath, durability, amphibious strength, and a high level of intelligence. The 2014 revival of the Godzilla franchise in the United States is what many believe should have happened in 1998. This movie showed honor and respect to the Japanese predecessor while at the same time engaging American audiences in a high-paced, action-packed, yet thoughtful way. Here we meet an ancient life form that survived several extinction events by consuming geothermal radiation and then going into a hibernation-like state at the bottom of the sea. This ancient alpha predator instinctually worked to keep a balance in his ecosystem. However, due to government nuclear testings in 1954, an obvious nod to Gojira, an awakening of an ancient beast causes Godzilla to come forth. During this film, we experience a more protective and methodical Godzilla. That doesn't mean he's not still destructive and animalistic, but he does seem to take note of his surroundings, i.e. the scene where he dives under the ships instead of just destroying them. This action-packed movie leaves you feeling strangely good and excited for more. There's even a scene where you kind of want to give Godzilla a little fist bump. This movie was so well received that it is the official start of the legendary monster cinematic universe. The next time we get to meet Godzilla will be the upcoming Godzilla King of the Monsters, another respectful nod to predecessor movies where reports tell us that he will face off against King Kong himself. So Celeste, what were your thoughts on on this film? Again, this is one of those ones where you didn't get a chance to really voice your opinion. Um, oh, this was the one I was, yeah, I this, was sick. Yeah, this is the one where it was me, Francisco, and Christy. Um, I enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. It was... I liked it because it was a good action movie. I like action movies, but at the same time, it held a good storyline. So it wasn't just straight action like some some movies that we've watched. Um, and I found it fascinating that Scarlet Witch was in it. Yeah. I, I'd actually forgotten that she was in it, to be honest, until we're, we're looking at her and I'm going, who who is this? And then I realized who it was. Which... Incidentally, Scarlet Witch is the little sister of uh, the Olsen twins. Of the Olsen twins, so yeah. Full House, crazy stuff. So, but um, okay, cool. So, so you enjoyed it. That means the Olsen twins are mutants. 
<laughs> Sorry. The thought was in my head. I had to voice it. They replicate. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, it fits. <laughs> That's their mutant power. Oh my god. They're actually one being. Oh my god. <laughs> so Alright, so you enjoyed this one, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. Full of action. What were some of the things about it that you really enjoyed? Um, I really enjoyed the fact of how elusive Godzilla was. Mm-hmm. To me, it is more intense mm. and it is a little bit scarier because mm. you don't know what he is. I mean, you do, but you don't. Right. You know it's a Godzilla. You know he is. He's he's a reptilian type creature, but this was actually the first Godzilla movie I'd seen. Mm-hmm. So for me, I didn't know what to expect. Right. So having just the hints, the fins, having glimpses of his leg before actually seeing him in his full monstrositous monstrositous glory. Monstrosity. No, he wasn't a monstrosity. Monstrositous. Monstrositous. We're making up words today, guys. Yes, we Welcome are. Welcome to Kong Talk. We make up words. <laughs> it's a thing we do. <laughs> um, you know, just seeing him in his his fierceness, because I can't try to figure out how to say that word we mm-hmm. just made up again. Um, it was, it made it that much more epic mm-hmm. when they showed him. This is interesting that you say that because the fact and what you're speaking to, I'm assuming, is the, the fact that you don't see him very much in the film itself. Yes. And um, it's interesting you say that because that's something that a lot of people had issues with uh, as far as this movie goes. A lot of people hated the fact that you didn't see him. Hmm. But for like maybe 20 minutes on screen, I forgot the exact numbers, but people really complained about that. So why is it that you think that the lack of him being on there really is trumps the lack of him being on there? I, I mean, the, 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 the trumps the idea of him being on there more often. I think because I was having a discussion when I was in college with a friend talking about Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. And I had not seen the movie at that time. And I do not necessarily suggest that anyone actually see it, mm-hmm. even though the- theatrically it is a very intriguing movie, mm-hmm. um, story-wise and acting-wise. But it's not the best topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the character, Hannibal, mm-hmm. is on screen. I think it's a total of 10 minutes. Nobody realizes he's only there for that long. It was done so well that he made the biggest impression. And I've read the book, and the book is not like that. In the book, he's he's not a forgettable character, but he's not as predominant in the storyline it much more focuses on the police officer Mm -hmm. which i believe was jodie foster i could be wrong about that Mm -hmm. um so i was the person i was talking with was saying that it spoke to his acting ability that he had such a that anthony hawkins had such a short time on screen but was able to make such an impression so i began noticing that you don't always need more time. Mm-hmm. I feel like Godzilla is a large enough presence, pardon the pun, that he really doesn't need a lot of time for you to appreciate who he is, mm-hmm. for to appreciate the the acting, even though it wasn't an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a it's one of the things that 
I like you notice film grain. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I notice. If there's a character that makes an impression that's not on screen as often, mm-hmm. it it sticks out to me. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I personally agree with you. The fact that he wasn't on there very often, I appreciate. Because uh, it builds the suspense. And it creates him to be more than just a monster, but this real presence in the show. Because everyone's talking about him. Everyone ex- is, is dealing with him. Um, whether they're they're on a on the on the tram track with the kid, uh, remember um, yeah. the kid got lost there and he's trying to get their back, or um, when they're in the hospital, they're rushing around. Everyone knows that what they're doing is because of Godzilla and the Mudos. Like there's this, we, we're going about their lives. There's an old thing, but there's this sense of there's this being out there. It almost has the feeling of. Armageddon and Deep Impact. Mm-hmm. But not so much Armageddon, more so Deep Impact. Um, of the everyone knows that this is happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's following different people throughout to show the different responses. Mm-hmm. You know, it follows the military. It follows the guy who is with the military but also has a family. Right. It follows his family. It follows the kid. Right. I mean, it shows all these different aspects surrounding this one event. Right. And it creates a, a natural aspect to it. Like that's what I liked about the movie was there was a natural aspect of they're just doing life, and there's this understanding that there's this being that's out there that can change everything, and how they respond to it. And I feel like we all do that ourselves. We're we often find ourselves in a situation where we are adjusting, we're doing life, but there's something different about us, and people sense they're like, "What's different about you?" And it's because there's something impactful in your life that has changed or is going on and people can see it yeah uh in you um you know with like with us like when we when we first came to know jesus people saw the difference in our lives and that's an aspect in every christian life that when they've encountered god other people can't see it they don't see it's not like there's like you know a little halo over our heads or there's just a little badge you're wearing or something like that but there's a because there's been this presence in your life you are acting differently now. And um, that's, again, that's kind of what I appreciate about the film is that everyone was responding and doing things because of this overwhelming presence that we didn't get to see, but we saw the effect on the people. Hmm. All right. Well, now let's get into our fourth and final Godzilla. <laughs> New Godzilla Movie Shin Godzilla 2016 Name Godzilla aka Gojira Height 389 feet Weight 160,000 tons Ability Atomic Breath Dorsal Plate Beams Tail Beams Self Mutation Durability Phased Array Rail. 2016 saw the first Japanese rebirth of Godzilla in many years. This Godzilla is what some would call a love letter to his predecessor. Here we find a prehistoric sea creature that found itself surrounded by nuclear waste on the seafloor in the 1950s and rapidly adapted to withstand the increased radiation. In 60 years, the organism grew and adapted to what you see at the beginning of the movie, 
Unlike the last two films we covered, this Godzilla is truly terrifying as he makes his way across Japan. Everything about this version is taken to a next level while still showing respect to the 1954 version. Even his atomic breath begins as an interesting homage to Gajira as it starts off being a cloud of smoke pouring out of his mouth. What starts off as epic and cool scene becomes terrifyingly beautiful as fire comes raging out of the creature and then focused into a beam of brilliant purple light. This Godzilla is no laughing matter. He is not your fist-bumping protector. He is a force of nature. The graphics cut with anime-inspired cinematography. This is a film that keeps you drawn in. This film also sees a return to political commentary as it takes obvious jabs at the bureaucracy of Japanese government. Time after time, the point is made that the government does not seem to be able to make a decision in a timely manner. Some speculate that this particular Godzilla was meant to be the personification of Fukushima Daiichi, nuclear plant, and this entire film was meant to be a political commentary on the nuclear disaster there in 2011. This film was meant to make audiences think and feel uncomfortable about their uncertainty. Okay, now I know that you personally love this one. I did. Like, but, but kind of expound on that more so than what you did when we were t- discussing it with Paul, who also loved it. I, I loved it because of, of several things. One, it was a return to the old style of doing things, which, uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of old Halloween or Halloween Hollywood techniques. Yes, I'm a fan of of all those things. But I'm, the main thing I'm a fan of is paying in respect and Amish, not Amish, homage or whatever you want to call it, to those who came before you. And, and honoring them. And I feel like that's what this film was. It, it honored the previous generations of Godzilla in, in a big way. And then to include the old Hollywood techniques, to, uh, or at least the old Toho te- techniques, to include uh, just different aspects that are quintessential Godzilla, I really, really appreciated. I, th- I appreciated the use of the puppetry. I know that it's not as used in film anymore because Mm -hmm. it is easier to do things on the computer and they can do so much with the computers Mm -hmm. and make it look good but there's something about it being the puppet like you can it it's not that it's more realistic but it feels more like it's in the real world Mm -hmm. because it's not coming from a 2d stance it's Mm -hmm. not coming from a computer screen to your tv screen it's coming from whatever they do with the puppets the set Mm -hmm. into your your tv screen yeah there seems to be more texture to it i think is what you're saying yes that's what i'm trying to say i mean don't get me wrong i I feel like godzilla from 2014 which is probably one of my favorites uh of all time to be honest um it was a gorgeous build i mean it was so well done and i appreciate it on on so many levels 
but there is something to be said about a texture of a real thing on screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know some of it was 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 uh, 3D modeled. Oh, some yeah. of it was done this, and then there are different things. But you could tell that there was something there at the same time. And the other thing I really appreciate about it was the cinematography of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I are um, anime fans. Yes. I'm more so than you probably. Yes. But uh, I appreciate... And that's another thing I appreciate is when you cross culture, not cultures, but um, genres, when you cross techniques and taking something from one generation or one genre and doing it in an entirely different way. And that's what we saw in a lot of the, um, the camera techniques, the camera angles. They seemed very anime-esque. And I appreciated that on all kinds of levels. And see, I'm wondering if, I mean, obviously the camera angles were a choice, but... I'm wondering if the things, because it wasn't always the camera angles that were making me think of anime. It was the way they were sitting, mm-hmm. the 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 people types. Mm-hmm. You know, you always have in in an anime, you almost always have a grandfatherly old man who's eating his rice. I mean, it's just it's a standard, right? So it's it was things like that. And so watching this, I'm going, well, maybe this is just really what Japan is like. Mm-hmm. And these things that we have come to love as as an anime are just everyday life for them that they don't think about. Mm-hmm. I can see that in a lot of ways. And I agree with you that there is aspect of it where it's just everyday life. And you and I were, were very removed from the original audience of this film, obviously. We weren't there for the Fukushima Kaiichi um, tragedy. We weren't, we don't live in Japan. We're not really engrossed in Japanese culture. We have an appreciation for certain aspects of it. But um, I feel like that, may, the, the way that they did it, it made more sense to the Japanese audiences. The original people in context watching and I feel like they appreciated it on a whole nother level. Well, I know they did. Um, than what we could ever really understand at, at all. Yeah. Well, and I don't, was it you I was talking to when we were talking about the dubbing? Mm-hmm. We watched it with dubbing at first and then I couldn't take it anymore mm-hmm. because the dubbing was just not right like it was not a, a well done dubbing it wasn't bad Mm-mm. but it wasn't you could tell by based on the dubbing that this movie was not made for Americans mm-hmm. it was made for Japan and then they went oh well Americans will like this too <laughs> a little bit I think there's some of that I feel like there was some genuine work that went into it but um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't mind the dubbing. Of course, I've watched a lot of dub stuff over the years, too. I think I've watched probably a little more than you have. I think I've watched, when it comes to dubbing, I watch animation. Mm-hmm. And so, because what was throwing me off was the lips. Mm-hmm. The fact that the lips were not matching the words at all. Got to learn to the past. It's so <laughs> annoying. You got to remember, though, I I mean, when I worked for Hollywood Video for so many years, I, I pilfered through the foreign section. And so I was always getting films that were in a different language, uh, whether it was Japanese, Russian, Korean, whatnot. And so I got used to, to bad dubbing. Um, trust me, there's so much worse out there. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I remember one time I'd gotten, uh, what was it? Once Upon a Time in China and America. And it was a sequel to the Once Upon a Time in China Jet Li series. Really? Yeah, it was like the part four. And it was so bad. The dubbing, the, the dubbing was bad. And, um, 
No, I'm sorry. I'm completely wrong. The subtitling was bad. Oh. Oh, yeah. The subtitling was almost a full 30 seconds after the audio. So, I'm sorry. That that just completely negates my entire conversation I'm having right now. But (laughs) I am. I'm used to, to the dubbing and stuff like that. Well, and again, most of the dubbing that I've watched has been animated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't realize that Howl's Moving Castle was originally in Japanese until I went to watch it online. And then I couldn't understand anything. <laughs> and I didn't understand why Billy Crystal wasn't Calcifer. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was interesting. But at the same time, it's like... This is something I've just had to... I've realized recently is an issue for me. I was watching a a show from Spain on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is going on here? And it was because Netflix had automatically dubbed it for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> so that was an interesting day, realizing that. All right. Well, let's move on to one last section. Final Roar. So what are our thoughts? Which Godzilla films should you watch first? Which one should you use to introduce your friends to the franchise? If you are a fan of classic sci-fi monster films, have an affinity for old school movie techniques, or are simply a fan of Godzilla and need to know the basis of all things Godzilla, then you need to watch Gojira 1954. The Japanese movie, not the American dub version. That said, if you miss the 90s or simply want a movie to play in the background, then perhaps the 1998 Godzilla is the movie for you. If you want a film that's action-packed and yet still has a great story for you to follow, then check out the 2014 Godzilla. If you want to see a modern political film with heart-racing scenes that pay homage to the original Gojira, then you must see Shin Godzilla. Overall, the choice is yours. Choose wisely and enjoy the journey. And don't get eaten by a kaiju. So that was our article for Geeks Under Grace. You can go to geeksundergrace.com to see the actual article there and many, many more from Monster Week, which is what they had uh, going on. And that's why we wrote the the article for them. Um, That being said, Celeste, this is now the time where we're going to go to the Facebook poll that we put up on our Facebook group, Devoted Geek Life, and get the answers from our fellow devoted geeks as to which Godzilla film was the best one, which one was their favorite, which one needs to stick around forever and ever, and everyone needs to see. And um, if you want to be part of that wonderful Devoted Geek uh, Life community, go to Facebook, search for The Devoted Geek Life, uh, or just devoted geek life, not yeah, the. No, the. <laughs> and um, because we're going to be doing this quite regularly, we're going to post up polls. We're going to use in our show, and we wanted to say thank you to everyone who voted and left comments and left your your thoughts in on on this uh, on this franchise. So that being said, the winner in our poll of the best Godzilla movie of all time is a tie. <laughs> it was a tie between Gojira 1954 and then, wait for it, Godzilla 2014. What are your thoughts on that, babe? 
it it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. They both were kind of, well, I mean, obviously the first one's an origin story. They both pulled from that thing. And Shin Godzilla has only been in the U.S. for a few months. So it makes sense that not as many people would have seen it. I can see that. But also the fact that Shin Godzilla is so rooted in in the actual Japanese culture. I feel like that, because most of the people in the Geek life are are Americans. <laughs> uh, even Mike, who uh, is is American, even though he's he's almost Scottish, he's been there for so many years. His his daughter is definitely Scottish. She is, and married into it also. True. But um, speaking of Mike, he actually left a really great comment on the page, and I just want to read it for you guys. It says, "The original has to get credit for starting it all. Without that film, there would be none of the others. Uh, the story." The effects and scale cemented Gojira in our consciousness. For its day, it was cutting edge. The roar, the atomic breath, its destruction, it only lacked one thing. Brian Cranston. (laughs) Who is Brian Cranston? He was the guy that played the father in the 2014 Godzilla film. Oh! Yeah. Him. <laughs> Apparently Mike's a big fan of his. His IMDB p- picture doesn't look like his character. <laughs> oh, it does. No, it doesn't. I had no idea who you were pointing to. You were like, yes, this is this is the, that person. And I'm like, that doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so great thoughts. We appreciate everyone who, who gave your, your own thoughts on the poll. Mike, thanks so much for giving your opinion. And everyone else left comments. There was actually some really good, interesting conversation that took place in it. And if you guys get a chance to go back and check out that poll, check out the conversation that took place in it. It was a lot of fun. So many gifts. So many gifts. When the Hulk Hogan gift came up, that's when uh, I was done. Done. <laughs> done. Oh, man. Well, guys, thanks so much for taking time to listen to Com Talk today. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes and subscribe rate and please please leave us a review leave a review on itunes it helps the channel to grow it helps to get the word out when people stumble upon it uh it helps them kind of go oh well this might be something interesting for us to check out so i encourage you guys to check it out also completely unrelated uh if you go to itunes it has suggested uh podcasts for people to check out one of the suggested podcasts that it has suggesting right now is strangers and aliens uh, which is a podcast that I love. I really enjoy it. Ben Avery, Evan, all these guys that are on it. They're fantastic people, and it's a great podcast. Check that out. Uh, we actually are planning out something um, with Ben. Hopefully, it'll come, come through. Uh, it be in December. But uh, do me a favor. Head over there and check out their podcast today. Until next Sunday, stay devoted. Peace and love, guys. Mm-hmm.